Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. I know all you on the wings, y'all probably can't see the, 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 the dry erase board, but they said it'll be up on the screen, so you, you can check it out on the screen uh, where we go to writing our little, our little uh, diagram, all right? Uh, John chapter number 4. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? How many of y'all are glad the devil can't do a thing about it? How many of y'all know we got to tell others about it, though? Amen. See, last week, last week, actually the last two weeks, we've been learning about telling our story. How many of y'all know you have a story? If you are saved, you have a story. Period. If you're saved, you have a story. Some people's stories are different. Uh, some people were saved out of great sin. Some people were saved at a young age and has grown up in church most of their life. But everybody's got a story. Everybody has got a testimony. Say that word with me. Everybody's got a Everybody's got a testimony. And we are supposed to tell our story. We're supposed to share our story with those who are lost, those who don't know Christ. Now, uh, we have said before, we used the illustration of the cane pole and the Zebco, uh, 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 what's the most popular, Zebco 33? 202-33 is probably the popular one, right? Uh, we, we move, when you first start fishing, you start with a cane pole, because you can't mess that up. You, you're just not going to mess up a cane pole, you know what I mean? It's, it's in and out, in and out, amen. And, but when you, when you start learning and you, you grow up a little bit and you mature, you move to a Zebco 33 where you push the button and shoo, say amen. And, and that's good. That's good. Uh, a Zebco 33 is way above a cane pole. Amen. But then when you really start moving up the ladder, uh, you move on to a bait caster. Are y'all with me? Now, that's where the people that kind of know what they're doing. I mean, they, they kind of got a clue, and they, and they practice it. And they, even those that practice it will still uh, get a rat's nest every now and then. But either way, you go to different levels. Now, here's the thing. This is how we compared this fishing thing, this fishing for men. Uh, some of us, we're, we're at the cane pole level. The cane pole level is when we're giving our invite. That's the cane pole level. That's the, that's the base level. Anybody can do this. Y'all with me? How many of y'all say, amen, preacher? Anybody can do that. You don't even have to say anything. You can just... Right? Anybody can do this. The shyest person in this room can give out an invite. And just, you know, you can do it. Anybody can do that. All right, and then and then we we graduate on up to the point where we're we're able to tell somebody our story. We're able to sit with somebody in the laundromat. We're able to sit with somebody, one of our friends at the store, or or maybe just in the living room over coffee. Let me tell you what God did for me. And we we learned about that, how to tell our story, what needs to be in our story, what needs to be in our story. Well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, now, but we want to move past that tonight. We're, 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 we're going to move even closer to the baitcaster, amen? We're going to tell tonight, we're going to learn how to tell God's story. We're going to have to tell God's story. In other words, we're going to be able to take the Bible and use the Bible and share the Bible and tell somebody how to get saved. Isn't that great? And let me tell you something. We all, if you're saved, you have a responsibility to know what we're talking about tonight. So if there's ever been a time you need to take notes, Tonight is the night. Say amen. All right. Well, let's pray. Or no, no, let's read. Then we'll pray. Amen. I'm just ready to get to this. Amen. I'm telling you, this is great stuff. All right. Uh, uh, John 4, and, and let's just go ahead and start with verse 1. Let's start with verse 1, all right? It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Now, here's a key verse. I underline this. I, I, I've got it mostly highlighted, but then I underline this one verse. It stands out all by itself, and, it, and, and, and it's, there's an emphasis here, and I'll, I'll explain in a minute. And he must needs go through Samaria. You see, typically they wouldn't do that. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. They didn't even like each other. Jews didn't even think Samaritans had souls, and they wouldn't spit on them if they was on fire. That's why the significance of the Good Samaritan story was so impactful, because they hated each other, all right? But he had to go through Samaria. Verse 5, Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, 
which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, and there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? She couldn't even believe it. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I'm going to just stop there to give you all a chance to sit down. But let's, let's pray over this situation. And let's see how, how many of y'all know Jesus are, is our great teacher and our great example? All right, we're going to learn from Jesus in this story how we are to share God's story. All right, all right, or, or basically how to witness and how to share and evangelize those around us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of, of serving you. Lord, thank you for all these people. This is a great crowd tonight. And, Lord, they're hungry, and they're here to learn. And they want to know how to, how to uh, uh, Lord, share their story and your story and how we are to win others to Christ through our testimony and our witness and our evangelism. I pray your perfect will be done, and God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> all right, let's do our review. Let's do our review. The more we review this stuff, the more we'll learn it and the more we'll pick it up, okay? The very first lesson, the very first lesson we studied was the, the importance of being filled with the Spirit. The importance of being filled with the Spirit. He said in Acts 1.8, you remember? He said in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, right? Right? We are witnesses, and this is what we've been learning. This is our training, how to witness. What is the most important thing about witnessing? The power of the Holy Spirit. You're not doing this on your own. You're not doing this with your own intelligence. You're not doing this with your own ability. You're doing this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say it. All right. Uh, <coughs> we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is the key principle? God the Father. Read this with me. God the Father, everybody help me read it. You remember, this is something we got to memorize, our key principle. God the Father is constantly drawing people to Jesus through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He invites us to join in that process as we listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Say amen. All right, what are the action steps we need to be taking? Daily, daily, we are to ask God to fill us with His Spirit. Now, remember, if you're not familiar with that uh, and what we taught, uh, what that literally means is you want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The word filled there means guided, directed, or controlled by. You want the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You want the, the Holy Spirit to guide your words. You want the Holy Spirit to guide your actions. Lord, lead me today. Lead me. Guide me. Lead me to, you remember, lead me to the pre-Christian. Lead me to the one you want me to witness to. Lead me to the one you want me to influence with my story. If that makes sense, say amen. So we are to do that daily. It's good to read the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Acts 2 is when the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to praise God, and their praise uh, went over into the crowd, into the, the group of people. Many of them got saved. Peter preached the gospel that day. Great, great day. Memorize the key principle. Ask the Holy Spirit to connect us to pre-Christians and begin to make a list. Uh, here's, the, here's the reason you need to make a list. If you, if you, uh, <laughs> how many of y'all are, are kind of like me that if you don't do it on purpose, you normally don't do it? <laughs> how many of y'all have been, been going to get around to do something for a long time and you still ain't done it? Okay, that's what witnessing is. If you fail, if you, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. So make your list. Do it on purpose. Be specific about it. Be praying about it. You remember, we're no longer, we're no longer praying for the lost. You remember, don't, don't look at me that way. I mean, what? You remember, we're not praying for the lost anymore. We're praying for Joe, and we're praying for Susie. And we're praying for, for Henry, our, amen? 
because we're being specific. We're going to target our people, and we're going to be specific with this. There is power in specific prayer. God wants us to be specific in our prayer. All right, now, lesson two. Lesson two, here's our review. Our story, our story should consist of three elements. Our life before Christ, when I received Christ, and how my life has changed. That's it. That's it. That's your story. What I was before Christ, or where, where my life was before Christ, how I came to know Christ, and what Christ has done for me, how my life has changed after Christ. Now, say, well, preacher, my life has not changed. Then you haven't met him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're not going to be perfect overnight. You're not going to fix all your issues overnight. Uh, that The song says, he's still working on me. That's a good song because he's still working on a lot of us. But I guarantee you this, you may not be perfect. You may not what you ought to be, but you're not what you used to be. And you're not what you're going to be. Amen? So what, what is different? How has God changed your life? How has Jesus changed your life? All right, key principle. Let's, let's, repeat, let's repeat our key principle. Every believer is a... Okay, get with me, people. Get with me. Every believer is a... And every disciple is called to be a disciple maker. Now, let's read that again. Every believer is a disciple. And every disciple is called to be a disciple maker. All right? Here's our action steps. Here's our action steps. Pray for courage and boldness. That's important. Pray for courage and boldness. If you are trying to do God's will and you ask God to give you the strength to help you do that, I promise you God's going to answer your prayer. Pray for courage and boldness. Share your story with one person this week. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. Use the invite card to talk about the gospel and make a list, okay? Use the invite card. Use an excuse. I, 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 my, my deal is this. My deal is this. I always ask this question. Do you get to go to church anywhere? Do you get to go to church anywhere? And, and say it like that. I say that like that, and I use those words specifically on purpose. Don't ever go to somebody, you go to church. That's like, that's like saying, how's your appendix? That, that's, that's, that just doesn't, that doesn't come across. Are y'all with me? Especially to unchurched people. Especially, and let me say this. This is bad. This is bad, but in the Bible Belt, this is what we're going to have to deal with. We're going to have to deal with post-church people. We're going to have to deal with people that's gotten angry and gotten mad or gotten hurt or had their feelings hurt or something went wrong in a church and now they're out. We're going to have to deal with that more than about anything in the Bible Belt. Because if you say, do you get to go to church anywhere, most of the time the response is going to be, well, I used to. And when I hear that, I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. I would rather hear say, nope, I don't even go to church. Because they're a whole lot more more prone to listen to you than somebody. So so if you have that post-church person, it's a whole lot of you to say, do you get to go to church somewhere? And let me just put this in here. This is not in the notes, but just in case you run into one of them and, and, and they got an attitude, because most of them do have an attitude. Here's, here's your response. I'm sorry. Man, I'm sorry you had to go through that. If, if you don't, because I, I, I've seen people do the opposite. Well, bless God, you ought to be in church. That's, that's not going to do nothing but make somebody mad. But if you show empathy and you show con- compassion and concern, you remember, people don't care how much you know till they, till they know how much you care. All right, now, here's the deal. We learn to tell our story. We learn what's in our story, our past how we come to Jesus and what, what, what God has done and changed. So we're going to move from that to tell God's story. Now look at the bottom of your notes on page number one. Personal testimony, that's our story. That's when we share our story. Personal testimony is where we start. It's where we start. Say that with me. It's where we start, we start when it comes to witnessing about our faith and sharing the gospel. It is important that we be able to share the gospel with biblical truth. We must give them hope in something more than personal testimony. The truth of Scripture never fails. Okay? So here's the point. Here's the point. 
we've got to be able, we've got to be able to go from telling our story to taking God's word and telling his story. Does that make sense? Because what's going to happen, what's going to happen, I'm praying, and, and has happened to me in the past, and I'm praying it's going to happen to you, is that when you tell your story, then they're going to want what you have. We're salt and light, right? Salt makes you thirsty. So, so when you are being the Christian that God has called you to be, people are going to want what you have. And listen, this is the deal. Once you tell them what God has done for you, then they're going to say, I want him to do that for me. And then this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to happen. This is what doesn't need to happen. It can happen. It's okay. But it shouldn't happen all the time. All right, let's call the preacher. Right? Now, if you have to do that, I'm all in the deal. Amen? I'm all in the deal. If there's somebody wanting to get saved and you've told your story and, 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 and you don't know what to do after that, hey, I'm in the deal. I will help you. I will pray with them. I will lead them. But you need to be able to say, all right, let me tell you how. Let me tell you how. Amen? Y'all getting quiet on me. What does the Bible say? Be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you of the hope that is in you. The reason of the hope that is in you. You've got to be able to tell them. According to God's word, we're commanded to be able to do that, right? So now we're going to transition from telling our story to telling God's story. Now let's look at this chapter. <clears throat> let's look at how, how Jesus did this. In, in chapter number 4, look at your notes. Uh, number 1, there's an example to follow. Aren't you glad Jesus shows us how to do everything? He shows us how to love people. He shows us how to deal with issues and problems. And now he shows us how to soul win. He, so, he shows us how to evangelize and, and win people. So here we have, here we have Jesus. He, he's, he's doing his thing. <clears throat> he's in his ministry. Uh, his, him and his disciples, uh, they're, they're just going about their business. And now they're traveling. And, 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 and they, they have to, they have to, I say they have to. The verse says this, he must needs go through Samaria. Now, to understand the significance of that verse and why I underline that verse all by itself in this whole chapter, you got to understand this. There were many routes to get to where they were going. Are you all with me? Many routes. They could have took several other routes to go. And matter of fact, normally they wouldn't have took this route because they didn't want to rub elbows with Samaritans. They didn't want to be with Samaritans. They didn't want to be around Samaritans. The Samaritans were a hated people. They were a half-breed people, half-Jew and half-Gentile. Are you all with me? They had taken and, and changed their worship, and instead of worshiping at Jerusalem, they built their own place, and, 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 and so now it's just a hated group. But the Bible says... He must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Now, what's significant about that? Here's what I want you to put on A. Jesus, the he there is Jesus, by the way, okay? Uh, he was sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Who do you think was leading Jesus to Samaria? Who do you think knew that there was a Samaritan woman... There was a woman who was lost and seeking and searching and needing Jesus, needing salvation. Are you with me? Who, who knew there was a pre-Christian who was ready for salvation? She had been going through a bunch of junk in her life, looking for love in all the wrong places, had a terrible reputation. The Holy Spirit. Now, now, now here's, here's what some people don't get. <clears throat> Here's what I need you to understand. When Jesus was here on this earth, he was human. Human. Flesh and blood. He, he, listen, he sweat. He got hungry. He got tired. He was human. And he lived his life just like you have to. By faith in his Father. Guess what? He was, he was filled with the Spirit in the wilderness when he was fasting. 
and he left after the fasting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what Jesus would do? He would get up a great while before day and pray. Sometimes he would spend all night in prayer. He lived by faith in his Father just like you and I have to. So what is he doing? He's being led by the Holy Spirit of God. He is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, you need to go through Samaria, guess what he's doing? He's going through Samaria. What is the point? If we're ever going to be successful at winning people to Christ, if we're ever going to be successful at sharing our story and sharing God's story, we have to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead you to the pre-Christian. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead you to the one who needs to hear your story. The Holy Spirit is the one who knows every, everything about every single person. And they, listen, the Holy Spirit knows who to match you up with. Everybody has somebody that you can win. Say amen. But you're not going to know it unless you learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I do that? It takes practice it takes obedience watch this watch this y'all listening you listening it takes proximity proximity did y'all hear that in the balcony proximity God speaks with a still small voice and the only way to hear a still small voice is you got to get close. But guess what? <laughs> God's still small voice can end up sounding like the roaring of a lion. According to proximity. Now what does that mean? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about when there's been times that God was so loud in your heart and in your head, it was just like a roar? There was no question whatsoever what God was trying to say. There's been times in my life when he didn't want me to do something, and his no was very, very obvious. But here's the thing. The more, somebody asked me somebody asked me that's the Holy Spirit right there he is calling in amen I'm kidding I'm kidding you're good somebody asked me and said said preacher you, you're out in them, them coon hunts and them, them competition hunts and stuff and uh, there's, there's, there's four different dogs barking and carrying on in them woods how do you know which one's yours how many y'all know? How many y'all know when these these kids in here, and when your kid hollers? I know what you think. Oh, yeah. Listen, when you spend enough time, just you and your dog. I one of, one of my best coon hunting friends, and he's he's he's. He's in heaven. I had the privilege of baptizing him before he died. And we were talking about it. You know, he coon, he competition coon hunt for a long, long time. And I was just trying to get started and learn all this stuff. And, and he, said, he said, son, you got to learn your dog. you got to learn your dog. you got to know what your dog's doing. He said half of, half of competition hunting is not necessarily knowing the rules. you got to know two things. you got to know the rules, but you got to know your dog. Because you got to know what your dog's doing and how to call your dog and what it's doing. And, and, and I'm not going to go into detail about that, but the, the point is, he said, you're going to have to spend some time with your dog alone where all you hear is your dog so that no matter how many dogs is in them woods, when you hear yours, you know it. And what's the point? Guys, y'all are going to have to learn how to turn the TV off. You're going to have to learn to put Facebook down. You're going to have to learn to put those little games on your phones down that occupy our time so much. And you've got to learn to get in God's Word and learn to hear His voice. 
And you can only do that when you learn to get, come on, alone. Alone. How much time do you spend alone with God? How much time do you spend alone with God's Word? So that when you're sitting in a crowd, you can hear the Holy Spirit say, that person needs your encouragement. We've got to, you see, Jesus had a very public ministry. He had a very public ministry. He had a ministry of, of, of thousands at a time. But what made him effective in his ministry with thousands of a time was when he spent the time alone with his father in all-night prayer meetings or early morning prayer meetings. Does that make sense? And I'm, 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 I'm probably preaching way longer on this point than I need to, but I, I, I really need to. Because you can get this other stuff down and you don't learn to, to, to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this thing and you're not going to be any good at this. Because soul winning and witnessing and evangelism is, listen, the major part is the Holy Spirit. We are just the vessel that's being used by God to accomplish what He's wanting to accomplish. Does that make sense? So we have to learn to be sensitive. The Lord knew by the leadership of the Holy Spirit that he needed to be in this area at this time. And so here he goes. He goes through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. He cometh into this place. He's tired. Verse number 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey. He sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. All right? Here's the second thing I want you to write down. He spoke first. He spoke first. Write this beside that. Write this beside that. Learn to take initiative. Learn to take initiative. <clears throat> Learn to take initiative. I, I don't know if how many was was in the in the lessons when Brother David Wood came and was teaching on uh, soul winning and evangelism and all, but he, he he would tell the story of how he would go into coffee shops and he would open his Bible and lay it out on the table so everybody could see. And you say, what is he doing? And this is what he said. He said, I'm fishing. I'm fishing. He's using ordinary situations and what he would normally do anyway. He said, I love going to coffee shops. I love getting that type of coffee and sitting there reading and all. But I use my everyday situations as an opportunity to go fishing. So what does that mean? You have everyday opportunity. Guess what? This is just an everyday opportunity. He is tired, so he sits down. How many of y'all have ever been tired? How many of y'all have ever sat down? You see? It's just an ordinary deal. It's an ordinary day. It's an ordinary situation. The only difference is, is he's been led by the Holy Spirit to this place, and now here comes a sinner, and he takes advantage of the opportunity. I'm telling you guys, there's, a, there's, there's opportunities around us every day that we miss out because we don't learn to take the initiative. Now, he spoke first, but let's, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this. It, 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 this is not in your notes, but I'm just telling you this. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't address the spiritual in the initial. All right? He, in other words, he didn't go straight to her salvation issue. You know what he said? What did he say? Man, I need a drink. He used something secular. He introduced the conversation. All right? He didn't go, he didn't just jump right into, hey, you're going to hell and you need Jesus or you're going to burn, you know. He said, man, I need something to drink. He started a conversation. He took the initiative, okay? Now, now, here, here's what it says. Then the woman of Samaria, verse 9, she said, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. What did he do? See, he turned the conversation spiritual. He turned the conversation to something spiritual. 
learn to take everyday things and be able to share God that way. How many of y'all remember, I've told this story a billion times, but when, when my father had me and my brother out on the jetties, we grew up in Fort Pierce and at the beach, and, uh, and, and, and when we was out there, me and my little brother, he, he was telling the story about the pelicans. He said, watch them pelicans. He said, they'll, they'll thank God every time they catch a fish. And, and, and me and my little brother looked at each other and looked at him like, come on, man. He said, yeah, every time, every time, them pelicans, every time they'll catch a fish and, 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 and eat that mullet, they'll thank God. They'll shake their, they'll shake their little tails and, at, at God and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Me and my little brother, we little, we was checking out, we was watching, pelican hit the, hit the water, and, and he'd come back up, he'd throw his old head back, and that old mullet would go down, and then all of a sudden, his little tail went, and me and my brother looked at each other and said, whoa. Now, we were too young to understand that when he threw his head back, the water ran down his neck, and he'd just shake it off his behind, amen? But what did Dad do? He just took something that you could see every day, something practical, to try to teach me and my brother about God. And you can do it with anything. Jesus did it with anything. He's walking by a vineyard. He's walking by a vineyard. And here's him and his disciples. He said, look out there, boys. He said, look, I am the vine, you are the branches. My father is the husbandman. If you abide in me and I in you, shall bear much fruit. I bet he's pointing at grapes the whole time. What did he do? He just took a practical deal that they walked past every day and seen every day and made a spiritual application. What did he do? He said, what did he ask for? Give me to, give me to drink. That is secular. That is something that, you know, there's nothing spiritual about a glass of water. But he turned it that way. He turned it spiritual. And see, you can take an everyday conversation. You can take an everyday conversation you're having with somebody and turn it to the spiritual. Always start with the secular and move it to the spiritual. Uh, Dr. Brown, <clears throat> when he was teaching the preaching class, he, he would always say, he says, never never just jump, and I don't always listen to what I've been told, but anyway, uh, he said, don't, when you first start preaching and, and, and you, you, you begin a sermon or a message, he says, always start with something practical. In other words, uh, man, this other day I saw a, a cow out there in the, in the pasture, and that cow, you know, Everybody's seen a cow before. Everybody knows what a cow is. And so now you've got everybody into the deal. And then he said, then you turn it to wherever you're trying to take. It's the same principle. It's the same principle. You, you, you start the conversation. You, you begin, you take the initiative. Because you've got an agenda. You want them to be saved, right? You want them to know Christ. You want them to come to know, know Christ. So you start the conversation. You take the initiative and then you turn it to a spiritual conversation. He says, he begins to tell her about living water. <clears throat> and, and know this, watch this, let's watch this. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thou hast that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Now, now here's the thing. Expect people not to understand you right away. Expect people not to understand you right away. Uh, this is, she, she's like, what, what are you talking about, living water? I don't understand this living water. What do you mean? What, 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 how are you going to give me living water? You just ask me for water, right? Sometimes people are going to be confused at what you're trying to say and what you're trying to help them with. Then it says this, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now watch what the woman says. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water. Thy thirst not, neither come here to draw. I don't want to come to this well no more. Let me have it. She's wanting what he has now. He's wanting. Listen, he, he, has, he, has, he, has, listen, he has captivated her attention. When he begins to share with her. Now we all know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. We all know he's talking about the fulfillment. And, 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 and what comes with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And now, so, so he has turned it completely spiritual. It was a regular conversation about getting something to drink. And he has used that to be able to go into the spiritual. And talk to her about spiritual things. Okay? Now, now watch this. 
Now watch this. Look in, look in verse number 16. <clears throat> 16. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, boy, I want to get there so bad. All right, here we go. Verse 17. Excuse me, verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that says thou truly. He said, Not only have you been, you've had some issues in your life, but you're shacking up too. What did he do? The next point is this. He revealed her sin. He revealed her sin. Now, this is important. This is important. When you write that down, then then look up at me. Because this is important. This is important. This is important, 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 important. Always remember this. Always remember this. When, when, when you're trying to witness and you're trying to share the gospel and you're trying to lead someone to Christ, this is, this is one of the most important factors in the whole deal. You cannot, you with me? Y'all listening in the balcony? You cannot get someone saved till you first get them lost. Did you hear that? You cannot get someone saved till you get them lost. One of the hardest things in the Bible belt when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to sharing the gospel, is this fact of getting someone lost. You say, what do you mean? Because you ask anybody in the South, are you a Christian? And you know what everybody's going to say right off the bat? Yeah. And if you say, if you say, well, why, 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 why do you think you're a Christian? And they'll say, well, I'm a Baptist. Or, or I was baptized when I was a baby. We, we, we live in a very religious culture. And most people, honestly... Most people think that if they've never killed anybody or if they don't get drunk every week or if they don't do this or they don't do that, then they're good. And the hardest part I have found with people is not getting them saved, it's getting them lost. It's help- and when I say getting them lost, this is what I mean by that. It's helping them understand the condition that they're in. It's the same issue with Jesus. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to condemn you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He said, you're condemned already. He that believeth is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already. Are y'all with me? So in order for Jesus to win this woman, in order for Jesus to get this woman to the place that she needed to be, she had to address her sin. And that's what you have to do with the people you are sharing the gospel with. You have to help them understand they are a sinner. And sin has to be dealt with. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Now we're going to go through all the verses, so just bear with me. I'm just going through this, this particular story, all right? He revealed her sin. Then look at verse 19. Verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, read it with me, I that speak unto thee am He. All right? He pointed 
to Christ. When we are witnessing, when we're sharing our faith, when we're sharing the gospel, we first have to deal with sin. We first have to reveal that a person is a sinner. And then we have to point them to the Savior. Amen? We have to point them to Christ. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the answer. Sin is what's condemning us. Sin is what is causing destruction and condemnation and damnation. But Jesus is the answer to the issue. Jesus is the cure to the problem. We have to get people to Jesus. We don't have to get people to religion. We don't have to get people to a list of rules. We don't have to get people to a denomination. we got to get people to Jesus. Are you all with me? He pointed her to Jesus, all right? To himself, you know, we could have put he pointed to himself, but I wanted you to understand Christ. We have to point people to Christ. All right, now watch this. She believes. She believes. Isn't that great? And, And upon this, his disciples marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why walkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they come out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples, while she was doing that, they were questioning him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed, say, Master, eat. But watch verse 32. But he saith unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore saith the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Look what he says. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. My meat, my fulfillment, my supplies to do the work of him or the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the, uh, what, what, too many pages. Look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. He that receiveth or reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true: one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon, where, excuse me. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Now watch this. He pointed her to Christ. Now watch what he gets from the deal. Jesus receives spiritual satisfaction. Or you can use the word fulfillment. Verses 31 through 38. He receives spiritual fulfillment or satisfaction. There is nothing in this world like winning someone to Christ. There is nothing in this world like leading someone to Christ. Uh, He said, I have a job to do. I have a responsibility to do. There's something that fulfills me. There's something that, 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 that excites me. There's something that sustains me more than physical food itself and that's doing the will of him that sent me now watch 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 the 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 message that jesus gives his disciples he said i sent you to reap where someone else has already labored so what does that say in that city in that city there were pre-christians there were people ready to meet jesus there were people ready to hear the gospel You say, how do you know that? Because that woman went in to the place they just went. They come out with a sandwich. They didn't bring anybody to Jesus. And they were the Bible college students. They were the ones in training. They were the ones being discipled. They were the ones that were being taught. And you know what? They didn't bring anybody. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Look at this. You went in that city and you didn't even see the opportunities around you. You didn't even see the people around you. You didn't even see that the fields were white under harvest. There were so many opportunities and so many potential Christians around you. You didn't see none of it. I sent you into, I sent you, basically he's saying, I sent you into a gold mine. You didn't even see it. How do you know all that's true? It's because when she went in, she brought them all out. Are y'all with me? She did what they were supposed to do. And all God's people said. Now watch this. Watch this. Verses 28 through 30 we read. He said, come see a man. What what is she? Oh, 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 oh. Let's go back. Let's go back. Verse 28. 
28 through 30. I, I, I highlighted this in orange because it stands out by itself. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. What did she just do? Please get with me, people. I'm telling you. you what did she do? She told her story. Isn't that great? She told her story. She has been saved a matter of minutes. Did you get this? So don't give me no excuses that you can't do this. You're talking about a babe in Christ. You with me? She immediately went out and told her story. And these men came to Jesus, right? Write this down. Write this down. She testified of Christ. What'd she do? She said what, what Jesus done for her. She just told her story. Now look, write this down. This other men, this other group of people, look what it says. <clears throat> let's, skip it, let's skip down some. Look in verse number 39. Verse 39. You there? And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the which testified, he told me all that ever I did. They believed because she what? Well, she, come on, we just said it. She, everybody say it. She testified, but what do we call that? She told her story, all right? Now, verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he bowed there two days. And many more believed because of his his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy say, not just because of what you said, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So, so write this down. H, they believed because of her testimony and his words. Her testimony and his words. All right, we went, we went piece by piece, bit by bit with this story. And we saw how Jesus, he, first, he's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he's sensitive to be led where he, he, he needs to be led by the Holy Spirit to the place he needs to be. There's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt in my mind, this is a divine appointment. This is a divine appointment. Uh there's no doubt in my mind the Holy Spirit intended for Jesus to be tired and to be at this well at this certain time. There's no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit is leading this woman. There's no doubt in my mind that she was at a spiritual state where she was hungry. She was thirsty for truth. She was tired of the way she was living. She was tired of her life, and, and she was ready for something. God hooked up a pre-Christian with someone who could share truth with her. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, I believe in divine appointments. Now watch this. Watch this. This, is, this is what's really cool about this whole deal. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes when we're wanting to see someone saved, when we're wanting to witness to someone, we're focused on the individual. And, 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 and all we can see out of the deal is this one person getting saved. Y'all with me? But God, we're looking at the one, but watch this. Watch this, verse 39. And, and, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. For the saying of the woman is testified, he told me all that ever I did. All right? And then verse 41, and, many what? Okay, and. And, all right, verse 39, and, verse 41, and, so first we have many, and then we have, you have no idea, but the person that you lead to Christ may be the next Billy Graham, may be the next D.L. Moody, may be the next, listen, great evangelist that goes and sees many people saved 
And it just might be that that little knot head that lives beside you, that you want to squeeze his little head because he's a little punk, but you lead him to Christ. He may grow up to see many more saved for the glory of God. Listen, God is about the big picture. There's always something more to the picture than just one woman at a well. And all God's people say it. All right, now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all can draw? <clears throat> all right, how many of y'all are willing to attempt it? Okay, all right, here we go. Now, you need to, is there any way to get close to that or draw up close so they can see this? Because this is what I, I need everybody to see. All right, this is what I want you to draw. Under number two, under number two, under illustration, under illustration, you're going to draw this out, all right? Because this, this will help you when you, when you, when you, Go to talk to your pre-Christian, okay? All right, how many of y'all can draw that? All right, got a canyon here. All right, draw that. Draw that on your paper. Everybody draw that on your paper. Then over here. All right. He's frowning, man. He's not saved. Come on, people. Get with it. All right? This man's lost. How many of y'all can tell he's lost? He's also hungry. Amen? <laughs> Little fellow. All right. Now, over here, I want y'all to draw this out. All right? This is God over here. All right? You say, why you draw like that? God is lightening him. There's no darkness at all. Say Amen? He is light. That's close enough. We don't draw no image of God. Say amen. Okay? And then we have this chasm. We have this chasm that's in between, in between us and God. And separation. Separation. Man is unhappy. Man is, is unsatisfied because he's separated from God. Listen, that started in the very beginning in, in the Garden of Eden. All right, now let's go to our verses. Now, these are verses you need to memorize, all right? These are verses you need to memorize. Look on, look on your, back, your back page. Look on your back page. What's the first verse you need to memorize? Everybody say it. All right. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say it with me. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say it with me. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you will make an index card, <clears throat> if you will make an index card and put this in your pocket and throughout the day, read it every time you get a chance. Just read it. I guarantee you by the end of the week you'll have it memorized. Everybody thinks memorization is so difficult and so hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. All right? Uh, all my exes live in, see there. He stopped loving her. Okay. And I, now watch this. Now think about this. Those songs, you didn't, you didn't hear them 50 times in a row. Just every, every now and then they come on, on the radio and you, it's just repetitive, and you pick it up. Amen? Now, I will say this. I will say this, that memorizing God's Word is a little bit more difficult because it's spiritual, and we live in the flesh. Amen? So we have to do this on purpose. We have to do this on purpose. The devil's going to try to stop you, but I'm telling you if, if you, if you will commit to learning Scripture, it will bring power in your life. How many of y'all can tell sometimes when I'm preaching and God just brings verses to my head and I start quoting these verses, you just feel power. I mean, it's God's Word. There is power in God's Word. The Bible doesn't lie when it says the Word of God is quick and powerful. The word quick means alive. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's real. So when we learn these words, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really, really help when you're sharing the gospel, okay? So we've got to help a person understand. For all have sinned. <clears throat> and come short of the glory of God. For all have 
sin. What are we doing? We're helping that person understand that they are a, a sinner. Now, when we say this, <clears throat> when we say this, always include yourself. Amen? Always include yourself. You say, why are you doing that? You're doing everything you can not to offend this person. The only thing that needs to offend this person is the fact that they see their condition, not the way you approach it. Does that make sense? Say, man, look here. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Everybody's. You ever told a lie? Yeah, I told a lie. Well, that, you know what that makes you? A. God says, thou shalt not lie. So that means we're a sinner. And most of the time, most of the time, most of the time, people will be in agreement at this point. Because most people, they, they, they believe they're saved, but they still believe they make mistakes. So it's not that bad. It's not that bad to admit, you know, oh, yeah, I do make mistakes. I am a sinner. But we move to the next verse. Now, what is this? Let me, let, here's, a, here's an illustration. If you want to write this down, I may print this out for you. If, you, if, you, if, you care, if you're not fast at writing stuff down, uh, this is a way you can illustrate this when you're sharing this with someone. Falling short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Illustrate it this way. Uh, sir, ma'am, it's kind of like this. It's like trying to throw a rock over a mountain. It's like trying to throw a rock over a mountain. Now, you, you're always going to fall. Now, watch. You can keep trying. You can keep trying. And you may even throw a rock further every now and then than the last time. But no matter how far you throw it, you're still going to fall now, you might be a good person, and you might be good for a little while, but no matter how good you are, you're still going to fall. Does that make sense? See, that's how you can illustrate that, all right? Second verse. <clears throat> Second verse that we're going to memorize. What is it? Say it again. Romans 6, 23. We've learned Romans 3, 23 first, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then we learn Romans 6, 23. What is that? For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Death. You see, sir, ma'am, our sin has to be paid for. You see, God's a holy God, and sin has to be dealt with. See, God's not going to sweep sin under the rug. Sin has to be paid for. Sir, do you have a job? Yeah, man, I got a job. See, at the end of that, that week, you've earned a paycheck you've earned a wage all right and you expect that to be paid well you see the wage of sin is now now what did we clarify just a while ago sir ma'am whoever you're dealing with that we're all sinners and because of that because of that the wage of sin is death and that's terrible Sin has to be paid for. And the only payment for sin is death. Then we move to the next verse. Move to the next verse. What's the next verse? Say it again. Romans 5, 8. <clears throat> but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, you dramatize this. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners... Ma'am, sir, you know what that means? That means that God, the word commendeth means God put his love on display. Every time I've ever shared this verse, I always do that. God said, I love you this much. What do I look like? Say it again. A cross. And in their mind and in their heart and their head, they're getting that image of a cross. And they're seeing God loves you this much. He put his love on display. God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? He paid the penalty. Jesus paid the penalty so you didn't have to. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to pay that penalty. Jesus paid for it. He put it on display. And you know what else that means, sir? That means this. That God, he didn't expect you and he didn't ask you to clean up your life before you could come to him. 
Because he said he did it while you was a sinner. Y'all missed a good shouting point right there. Are you glad of that? Aren't you glad you didn't have to fix everything before you come to Jesus? You can just come to him and let him fix it, amen? So, so first we've shared this, that, that everyone is a sinner. For all have sinned. How many of us? All of them. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then we learn that the wages of sin is death. Oh, my goodness. Sin has to be paid for. Sin is, sin is, 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 is a, a, a devastating thing, and it must be paid for. But in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty. He paid the penalty. He loved you and me so much, he died instead of us. Instead of us having to pay the penalty, he paid it for us. And by that time, this is what the person's thinking. All right, what do I do? How do I, how do I get that payment? How, how do I get that gift? How do I get the gift of God? And, and you say, listen, over here in Romans 10, 9 and 10, over here in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is, this is what you do. Look at your, look at your, look at your drawing. All right. Because of sin, we're separated, but God commendeth his love. You put a cross there. You help that person see that they could get to God. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, now here's what I always I emphasize on that verse. <clears throat> here's what I always emphasize on that verse. For with the heart, say it with me, for with the heart. Help them understand it's not a fancy prayer. Sometimes if I have time, if I have time, ooh, I don't have time. When did that go to zero? We got it like a minute, a second time? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll emphasize this. I'll emphasize this. It's what you do with your heart. And I'll, I'll, I'll usually tell the story of the thief on the cross. You know what the thief on the cross said for his salvation? He said two words. Remember me. You see, it wasn't what he was saying with his mouth. It was, it was what he was doing with his and so you help them understand, if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean to believe? It means to depend on. To depend on. Here's the thing. Everybody in the world says they have faith. Now, I have faith. <clears throat> I have faith that that chair will hold me up. I do. I, I have faith that that chair will hold me up. But I do not place my faith in it till I do this. Now I'm depending on it. Y'all with me? Now you can believe that Jesus is real. Hello? The demons believe and tremble. But are you depending on his death on the cross to wash your sins away and take you to heaven? You say, I have faith in what? There's always has to be an object to your faith. What is your faith in? Is your faith some people's faith is in their good works? Guess what? They're going to be disappointed. There are people whose faith is in their background, in their in their bloodline. There's people whose faith is in their religion or their denomination. But Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't place your faith completely in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, you are not saved." And you help that person understand, I'm believing on the Lord. I'm depending on the Lord. Thou shalt, and then what's the, the, what's the last verse? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved. All right. Uh, let's, let's finish right here. Here we go. Here, let me, let's do the action steps. Let's do the action steps. Let's just read over them real quick, and then we'll, we'll catch up next week. All right? 
Share your story with two people this week. <clears throat> Share your story with two people this week. Share God's story with at least one of them. Take these verses. Even if you have to cheat, it's cool. It don't matter if you have a little, if you have a little index card, if you hadn't memorized them yet, that's fine. Hey, take a Bible. Take a Bible. Take a concealed weapon. Y'all with me? Do you know they make Bibles this size right here? And you can have it in your back pocket? And when you find your pre-Christian, he never sees you coming. Have your verses marked out? Amen? Anyway, we got to quit. We'll, 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 we'll. Are, y'all, are y'all enjoying this? It's good, 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 because we're going to keep doing it until we all get it. Amen. We're going to be a soul-winning army. Are y'all with me? Amen. Well, let's pray before they write in the back. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord.